part two chapter seven section one of crime and punishment by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two chapter seven section one an elegant carriage stood in the middle of the road with a pair of spirited grey horses there was no one in it and the coachman had got off his box and stood by the horses were being held by the bridle a mass of people had gathered round the police standing in front one of them held a lighted lantern which he was turning on something lying close to the wheels everyone was talking shouting exclaiming the coachman seemed at a loss and kept repeating what a misfortune good lord what a misfortune raskolnikov pushed his way in as far as he could and succeeded at last in seeing the object of the commotion and interest on the ground a man who had been run over lay apparently unconscious and covered with blood he was very badly dressed but not like a workman blood was flowing from his head and face his face was crushed mutilated and disfigured he was evidently badly injured merciful heaven wailed coachman what more could i do if i'd been driving fast or had not shouted to him but i was going quietly not in a hurry everyone could see i was going along just like everybody else a drunken man can't walk straight we all know i saw him crossing the street staggering and almost falling i shouted again and a second and a third time then i held the horses in but he fell straight under their feet either he did it on purpose or he was very tipsy the horses are young and ready to take fright they started he screamed that made them worse that's how it happened that's just how it was a voice in the crowd confirmed he shouted that's true he shouted three times another voice declared three times it was we all heard it shouted a third but the coachman was not very much distressed and frightened it was evident that the carriage belonged to a rich and important person who was awaiting it somewhere the police of course were in no little anxiety to avoid upsetting his arrangements all they had to do was to take the injured man to the police station and the hospital no one knew his name meanwhile raskolnikov had squeezed in and stooped closer over him the lantern suddenly lighted up the unfortunate man's face he recognized him i know him i know him he shouted pushing to the front it's a government clerk retired from the service marmeladov he lives close by in kozel's house make haste for a doctor i will pay see he pulled money out of his pocket and showed it to the policeman he was in violent agitation the police were glad that they had found out who the man was raskolnikov gave his own name and address and as earnestly as if it had been his father he besought the police to carry the unconscious marmeladov to his lodging at once just here three houses away he said eagerly the house belongs to kozel a rich german he was going home no doubt drunk i know him he is a drunkard he has a family there a wife children he has one daughter it will take time to take him to the hospital and there is sure to be a doctor in the house i'll pay i'll pay at least he will be looked after at home they will help him at once but he'll die before you get him to the hospital he managed to slip something unseen into the policeman's hand but the thing was straightforward and legitimate and in any case help was closer here they raised the injured man people volunteered to help kozel's house was thirty yards away 
raskolnikov walked behind carefully holding marmeladov's head and showing the way this way this way we must take him upstairs head foremost turn round i'll pay i'll make it worth your while he muttered katerina ivanovna had just begun as she always did at every free moment walking to and fro in her little room from window to stove and back again with her arms folded across her chest talking to herself and coughing of late she had begun to talk more than ever to her eldest girl polenka a child of ten who though there was much she did not understand understood very well that her mother needed her and so always watched her with her big clever eyes and strove her utmost to appear to understand this time polenka was undressing her little brother who had been unwell all day and was going to bed the boy was waiting for her to take off his shirt which had to be washed at night he was sitting straight and motionless on a chair with a silent serious face with his legs stretched out straight before him heels together and toes turned out he was listening to what his mother was saying to his sister sitting perfectly still with pouting lips and wide-open eyes just as all good little boys have to sit when they are undressed to go to bed a little girl still younger dressed literally in rags stood at the screen waiting for her turn the door on to the stairs was open to relieve them a little from the clouds of tobacco smoke which floated in from the other rooms and brought on long terrible fits of coughing in the poor consumptive woman katerina ivanovna seemed to have grown even thinner during that week and the hectic flush on her face was brighter than ever you wouldn't believe you can't imagine polenka she said walking about the room what a happy luxurious life we had in my papa's house and how this drunkard has brought me and will bring you all to ruin papa was a civil colonel and only a step from being a governor so that everyone who came to see him said we look upon you ivan mikhailovitch as our governor when i went she coughed violently oh cursed life she cried clearing her throat and pressing her hand to her breast when i when at the last ball at the marshal's princess bezelmini saw me who gave me the blessing when your father and i were married polenka she asked at once isn't that the pretty girl who danced the shawl dance at the breaking up you must mend that tear you must take your needle and darn it as i showed you or to-morrow <coughs> he will make the hole bigger she articulated with effort prince shegelskoy a kammer junker had just come from petersburg then he danced the mazurka with me and wanted to make me an offer next day but i thanked him in flattering expressions and told him that my heart had long been another's that other was your father polia papa was fearfully angry is the water ready give me the shirt and the stockings lida said she to the youngest one you must manage without your chemise to-night and lay your stockings out with it i'll wash them together how is it that drunken vagabond doesn't come in he has worn his shirt till it looks like a dish-clout he has torn it to rags i do it all together so as not to have to work two nights running oh dear <coughs> oh again what's this she cried noticing a crowd in the passage and the men who were pushing into her room carrying a burden what is it what are they bringing mercy on us where are we to put him asked the policeman looking round when marmeladov unconscious and covered with blood had been carried in on the sofa put him straight on the sofa with his head this way raskolnikov showed him run over in the road drunk someone shouted in the passage katerina ivanovna stood turning white and gasping for breath 
the children were terrified little lida screamed rushed to polenka and clutched at her trembling all over having laid marmeladov down raskolnikov flew to katerina ivanovna oh for god's sake be calm don't be frightened he said speaking quickly he was crossing the road and was run over by a carriage don't be frightened he will come too i told them to bring him here i've been here already you remember he will come too i'll pay oh he's done it this time katerina ivanovna cried despairingly and she rushed to her husband raskolnikov noticed at once that she was not one of those women who swoon easily she instantly placed under the luckless man's head a pillow which no one had thought of and began undressing and examining him she kept her head forgetting herself biting her trembling lips and stifling the screams which were ready to break from her raskolnikov meanwhile induced someone to run for a doctor there was a doctor it appeared next door but one i sent for a doctor he kept assuring katerina ivanovna don't be uneasy i'll pay haven't you water and give me a napkin or a towel anything as quick as you can he is injured but not killed believe me we shall see what the doctor says katerina ivanovna ran to the window there on a broken chair in the corner a large earthenware basin full of water had been stood in readiness for washing her children's and husband's linen that night this washing was done by katerina ivanovna at night at least twice a week if not oftener for the family had come to such a pass that they were practically without change of linen and katerina ivanovna could not endure uncleanliness and rather than see dirt in the house she preferred to wear herself out at night working beyond her strength when the rest were asleep so as to get the wet linen hung on a line and dry by the morning she took up the basin of water at raskolnikov's request but almost fell down with her burden but the latter had already succeeded in finding a towel wetted it and began washing the blood off marmeladov's face katerina ivanovna stood by breathing painfully and pressing her hands to her breast she was in need of attention herself raskolnikov began to realize that he might have made a mistake in having the injured man brought here the policeman too stood in hesitation polenka cried katerina ivanovna run to sonya make haste if you don't find her at home leave word that her father has been run over and that she is to come here at once when she comes in run polenka there put on the shawl run your fastest cried the little boy on the chair suddenly after which he relapsed into the same dumb rigidity with round eyes his heels thrust forward and his toes spread out meanwhile the room had become so full of people that you couldn't have dropped a pin the policemen left all except one who remained for a time trying to drive out the people who came in from the stairs almost all madame lipovexel's lodgers had streamed in from the inner rooms of the flat at first they were squeezed together in the doorway but afterwards they overflowed into the room katerina ivanovna flew into a fury you might let him die in peace at least she shouted at the crowd is it a spectacle for you to gape at with cigarettes <coughs> you might as well keep your hats on and there is one in his hat get away you should respect the dead at least her cough choked her but her reproaches were not without result they evidently stood in some awe of katerina ivanovna the lodgers one after another squeezed back into the doorway with that strange inner feeling of satisfaction which may be observed in the presence of a sudden accident 
even in those nearest and dearest to the victim from which no living man is exempt even in spite of the sincerest sympathy and compassion voices outside were heard however speaking of the hospital and saying that they'd no business to make a disturbance here no business to die cried katerina ivanovna and she was rushing to the door to vent her wrath upon them but in the doorway came face to face with madame lipovexel who had only just heard of the accident and ran in to restore order she was a particularly quarrelsome and irresponsible german ah my god she cried clasping her hands your husband drunken horses have trampled to the hospital with him i am the landlady amalia ludvigovna i beg you to recollect what you are saying katerina ivanovna began haughtily she always took a haughty tone with the landlady that she might remember her place and even now could not deny herself this satisfaction amalia ludvigovna i have you once before told that you to call me amalia ludvigovna may not dare i am amalia ivanovna you are not amalia ivanovna but amalia ludvigovna and as i am not one of your despicable flatterers like mr lebeziatnikov who's laughing behind the door at this moment a laugh and a cry of they are at it again was in fact audible at the door so i shall always call you amalia ludvigovna though i fail to understand why you dislike that name you can see for yourself what has happened to semyon zaharovitch he is dying i beg you to close that door at once and to admit no one let him at least die in peace or i warn you the governor-general himself shall be informed of your conduct to-morrow the prince knew me as a girl he remembers semyon zaharovitch well and has often been a benefactor to him everyone knows that semyon zaharovitch had many friends and protectors whom he abandoned himself from an honourable pride knowing his unhappy weakness but now she pointed to raskolnikov a generous young man has come to our assistance who has wealth and connections and whom semyon zaharovitch had known from a child you may rest assured amalia ludvigovna all this was uttered with extreme rapidity getting quicker and quicker but a cough suddenly cut short katerina ivanovna's eloquence at that instant the dying man recovered consciousness and uttered a groan she ran to him the injured man opened his eyes and without recognition or understanding gazed at raskolnikov who was bending over him he drew deep slow painful breaths blood oozed at the corners of his mouth and drops of perspiration came out on his forehead not recognizing raskolnikov he began looking round uneasily katerina ivanovna looked at him with a sad but stern face and tears trickled from her eyes my god his whole chest is crushed how he is bleeding she said in despair we must take off his clothes turn a little semyon zaharovitch if you can she cried to him marmeladov recognized her a priest he articulated huskily katerina ivanovna walked to the window laid her head against the window-frame and exclaimed in despair oh cursed life a priest the dying man said again after a moment's silence they've gone for him katerina ivanovna shouted to him he obeyed her shout and was silent with sad and timid eyes he looked for her she returned and stood by his pillow he seemed a little easier but not for long soon his eyes rested on little lida his favourite who was shaking in the corner as though she were in a fit and staring at him with her wondering childish eyes ah ah he signed towards her uneasily he wanted to say something 
what now cried katerina ivanovna barefoot barefoot he muttered indicating with frenzied eyes the child's bare feet be silent katerina ivanovna cried irritably you know why she is barefooted thank god the doctor exclaimed raskolnikov relieved the doctor came in a precise little old man a german looking about him mistrustfully he went up to the sick man took his pulse carefully felt his head and with the help of katerina ivanovna he unbuttoned the blood-stained shirt and bared the injured man's chest it was gashed crushed and fractured several ribs on the right side were broken on the left side just over the heart was a large sinister-looking yellowish-black bruise a cruel kick from the horse's hoof the doctor frowned the policeman told him that he was caught in the wheel and turned round with it for thirty yards on the road it's wonderful that he has recovered consciousness the doctor whispered softly to raskolnikov what do you think of him he asked he will die immediately is there really no hope not the faintest he is at the last gasp his head is badly injured too hm. i could bleed him if you like but it would be useless he is bound to die within the next five or ten minutes better bleed him then if you like but i warn you it would be perfectly useless at that moment other steps were heard the crowd in the passage parted and the priest a little grey old man appeared in the doorway bearing the sacrament a policeman had gone for him at the time of the accident the doctor changed places with him exchanging glances with him raskolnikov begged the doctor to remain a little while he shrugged his shoulders and remained all stepped back the confession was soon over the dying man probably understood little he could only utter indistinct broken sounds katerina ivanovna took little lida lifted the boy from the chair knelt down in the corner by the stove and made the children kneel in front of her the little girl was still trembling but the boy kneeling on his little bare knees lifted his hand rhythmically crossing himself with precision and bowed down touching the floor with his forehead which seemed to afford him a special satisfaction katerina ivanovna bit her lips and held back her tears she prayed too now and then pulling straight the boy's shirt and managed to cover the girl's bare shoulders with a kerchief which she took from the chest without rising from her knees or ceasing to pray meanwhile the door from the inner rooms was opened inquisitively again at the passage the crowd of spectators from all the flats on the staircase grew denser and denser but they did not venture beyond the threshold a single candle end lighted up the scene at that moment polenka forced her way through the crowd at the door she came in panting from running so fast took off her kerchief looked for her mother went up to her and said she's coming i met her in the street her mother made her kneel beside her timidly and noiselessly a young girl made her way through the crowd and strange was her appearance in that room in the midst of want rags death and despair she too was in rags her attire was all of the cheapest but decked out in gutter finery of a special stamp unmistakably betraying its shameful purpose sonya stopped short in the doorway and looked about her bewildered unconscious of everything she forgot her fourth-hand gaudy silk dress so unseemly here with its ridiculous long train and her immense crinoline that filled up the whole doorway and her light-coloured shoes and the parasol she brought with her though it was no use at night 
in the absurd round straw hat with its flaring flame-coloured feather under this rakishly tilted hat was a pale frightened little face with lips parted and eyes staring in terror sonya was a small thin girl of eighteen with fair hair rather pretty with wonderful blue eyes she looked intently at the bed and the priest she too was out of breath with running at last whispers some words in the crowd probably reached her she looked down and took a step forward into the room still keeping close to the door End of part two, chapter seven, section one. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.